Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Sea Spider Steven Universe Fan Podcast. This is episode 45, and today we'll be discussing the Steven Universe episode, Lars and the Cool Kids. I'm GC13. I'm Ken. And I'm full. Callback to an old Taco Bell commercial. So, who here, when when they were first, when this episode was, hadn't come out yet, but you, you saw the episode summary, you were like, uh-oh, cool kids, how annoying are these guys gonna be? I was definitely not reading episode summary. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't reading episode, I was looking at the DVR like, oh man, I hope it still records. Yeah. <laughs> you guys gotta nerd up, because I know for me, when I, when this episode was coming out, I'm like, oh, great, because, you know, again, I'm, I'm pretty poor at pattern recognition, so, I mean, I, I've been saying this since Bubble Buddies, but even at this point, I still didn't understand just, you know, what 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 ride I had buckled onto. And I, I'm thinking, oh, cool kids, because you know how cool kids are always portrayed in cartoons. They're always snotty and annoying, and I just didn't want to deal with that in my steaming, you know? Right, right. But instead, what we got was uh, possibly some of my favorite characters in the series. Yeah, this is like traditional cool kid times negative one. Turned it right on its head. Yeah, they were all very into just like being themselves and expressing themselves and not judging each other. It was it was pretty refreshing in that sense. I but I never it. had the like negative expectations that you had, GC. Yeah, well, you know, the the episode quickly put my mind at ease. Although it was kind of funny watching Lars get repeatedly shot down from his flagrant attempts to ingratiate himself to them. Yeah, and right. I I really connected with that because that has happened. That, that used to happen to me a lot back when I was a little little awkward, little pudgy kid. <laughs> yeah, you should have quick saved before you opened your mouth, Lars. Yeah, I r- really connected with me, just seeing Lars make his very best effort. And, like, right before they comment, just, all right, that was good, smooth, I'm safe. Even then, they weren't, like, being rude to him. They were just like, actually, I disagree with what you said, Lars. And Lars is like, dang it. Yeah. Like, no one was being mean here. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just appreciated the kind of nice undertone of all of their interactions, even when they weren't, like, the best. They're not bad people. They really aren't. Also, uh, I love how they got Brian Posehn to voice Sour Cream. I think that fits perfectly. Uh, that was very, very frustrating for me at first, because I was a big fan of Symbionic Titan. Ah, uh, yeah. So it's, it's only very recently come to be that Sour Cream can open his mouth and I do not hear Octus speaking. Shake it, bake it, booty quick it. Roll it around. <laughs> Don't fake it. Did you guys ever hear uh, Brian Posehn's uh, stand-up comedy? Nope. Uh, it's pretty good. It's it's just yeah, it's just a fat nerd up on stage uh, talking about Star Wars and heavy metal. Sounds good. He's pretty all right. I like him. But yeah, I I really liked uh, each one of the cool kids. They had their own personality, and it it really shined through. It's good. It's good. But also, let's talk about how towards the end of the episode, uh, also breaking stereotypes here. Uh, towards the end of the episode, you think that uh Lars, you know, he's been having this day where he's just been a total douche to Steven the entire time trying to fit in. Uh, you'd think he'd have this sort of redemption moment. He kind of did. He had nothing. No, the only thing that happened to Lars was Steven stuck up for him at the very end and all the cool kids liked him. All right. <laughs> Lars tries to make good for it. He does like Steven's little hand on the chest thing. Yeah. And I was like him trying to redeem himself. That makes up for nothing. Lars is a <laughs> douche. He did nothing, even in his final moments where he might have died. All he chose to say was, this sucks. You suck, Lars. You suck. (laughs) The whole point of him saying this sucks was because both him and Steven knew what he meant, but Lars can't bring himself to say it. God, Lars is the worst. Lars did nothing wrong. I I used to be in the camp. I was just like, yeah, come on, Lars. He's a good character. You know, he 
yeah, he's a douche, but like he he plays the douche character well. You know, he's a sort of good foil to Sadie. Like now, no, 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 I don't ever want to see him again. I hope he <laughs> dies in the next episode. It gets a lot worse from here. Every time they try and give Lars redemption at the end of the episode, it's kind of like this. It like never really plays well. And this is probably one of the better times it's worked. I think it falls flat way, way worse in later episodes. Yeah, yeah. this is a fairly good outing for Lars. Whereas you get something like Island Adventure where he's effectively kidnapped by Sadie and he still manages to look like the jerk. Yeah. God, Lars. You- I mean, I, I'm willing to I'm, I'm willing to give Lars a pass for his behavior in this episode because he's he's too proud to say it, but he he did kind of learn something in this. Did episode. he? Because he sure didn't show in future episodes. <laughs> it's true. He absolutely does not. Lars is at an awkward age. Hold on, let's let's look at it for a second. All right. Uh, after this, there was uh, Island Adventure where Lars learned nothing. I haven't learned a thing! <laughs> and after that, there was, uh, was it Beach City Horror Club? Oh, good grief. Or was Lars in something else? He was in something before that. Joking Victim. Joking Victim is the one where we learn that he oh, and Sadie grief, got yeah. it on, and he's just a jerk the entire time. Wait, 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 what? What? Hold on, back the train up a bit. What? Yeah, I'd actually forgotten entirely about that as well. We'll talk I... about this more when we finally get to Joking Victim in its own podcast episode. But yeah, that's the under that's the undertone I got. Hold on, this is what uh, I feel like I just missed an entire episode. What happened to Joking Victim? You know, Lars and Sadie spent the entire night in Sadie's room, and Lars let Sadie be his player too. And then when Stephen says, "Wow, that must have been some fun game," Sadie stops for a moment. Yeah, it was. Oh. Yeah, game. Yeah, but but then Island Adventure airs, and it's like it's acting like these two have not been intimate before, so it's very confusing. Ah, I forgot entirely about that episode. Sweet Jesus, Lars. Yeah, they're very directly implying sex. So we we probably won't get to joking victim this hiatus, or at least we better not get to joking victim this hiatus. But we <laughs> will get there. Don't you worry. Yeah. Here's looking at you, sugar. You can't see the bat I'm slowly laying into my hand. We're getting our onion on. We better we better not get to joking, victim. I don't think Sugar has any control over that. Sure is a nice show you got there. Should be a shame if something were to uh, <laughs> happen to it. No, no. <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta threaten something they care about. You gotta threaten to deface the reserved parking space. That'll get them to take notice. But yeah, for I loved the beginning of this episode. I mean, the Garnet throwing the rock to get Steven back and the Stevens here was great. But yeah, I think the highlight of the opening was, this is why I get up in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, yeah that's that why I get up in the morning too. Yeah, I, <laughs> I feel you. Day and night. Did anyone else notice uh, anything a little off about Pearl? Like just I loved her facial expressions, but yeah, she doesn't look she doesn't look normal. Is it is it like a longer face or is it like a bigger chin? I can't I, I can't I don't know. put my she finger looks on it. Slightly more masculine in that scene. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. I think it's the I, face. I can't put my fi- yeah, it's definitely something about her face, but I can't put my finger on it. I'm not one of these people who's really good at analyzing the animation, but I did notice what you're talking about. So mm-hmm. if I noticed it, it's got to be pretty obvious. Also a good representation to, uh, again, look back at New Garnet and recognize the changes that New Garnet might have, like, said something or, like, done something different. But no, Old Garnet just says nothing, tosses a rock. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was cool. I like that. I Garnet like that. believes in action. 
I really didn't like the sitcom level ending, or I guess it wasn't the ending, but sitcom level conflict at the end of this episode, towards the end, with Steven knowing, I guess Steven doesn't know exactly what the moss is going to do, but he knows it's magical and that it's dangerous. But instead of just telling them that, like, hey, you guys know I live with this magic family, and I can't tell you specifically what's wrong with this moss, but just take my word, it's really dangerous. He has plenty of time to, like, just say that, but he doesn't, and that's really frustrating to me. And at first, I was, like, kind of going along with it, like, oh, yeah, he probably doesn't want to tell them that it's magic. And I'm like, no, no, Hunter, no, no. This is a world that somewhat, like, somewhat ups- accepts that these women are magical or at least yeah, absolutely. like just like it's a normal part of their lives and they're not normally hiding anything. So what is the problem here? It's it's a lot like uh, in fighting games where a lot if there is a story mode, a lot of the conflicts are based around uh, misconceptions or uh, things that just weren't explained. I thought that Steven not telling them was fairly allowable because it's an 11 minute episode and they did establish that when he tries to warn them that, oh, Steven, you're just trying to build an atmosphere. So can go ahead and say that they're not going to listen to him when he tries to tell them off from it. We can just move on, kind of plow that story forward. I didn't like it. He didn't even he didn't make an honest attempt at genuine communication. He doesn't explain what the real issue is. He just says, hey, guys, don't do that half heartedly kind of once he makes a real attempt to get Lars to not go in, but even then, he doesn't explain his concern. Yeah, he just... It's going to eat you! <laughs> That's all he needed to say. Wrong. That's all he needed to say. They could have ridden around this by making all of them just rush into it, but no, he had plenty of time to say something the way they did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Buck Dewey's not that slow. I thought it was kind of surprising that this was the first time that he meets all of them. I would have assumed that they would have known who he was beforehand. Yeah, he's several years younger than them, so I, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, I'd imagine... I mean, it's a small town, but they've never been officially introduced, like uh, Sadie and Ronaldo. Well, he at least knew uh, Kiki and... What's her name? He only knew Kiki by name, but he did know that Jenny was Kiki's sister, at least. But that's because Kiki works the counter at the pizza shop. Also, um, out of the cool kids, Buck... Buck has had his own episode, the shirt shirt club, good old guitar dab. We will probably have a Kiki and Jenny episode in the upcoming yeah pizza delivery service. Yeah, pizza, pe- of course, of course, it's pizza delivery service. What else would it be? Kiki's pizza delivery yeah. service. Kiki's pizza Great delivery name. service. Getting but, um, our uh, studio Ghibli is it love yeah. a bit. Yeah. Yep. I'm still not entirely convinced that's going to be its actual title, but I, I will grin from ear to ear if it is. And uh, I can. I look forward to eventually a sour cream episode because I think there's something there's something to definitely explore within the uh, sour cream and onion household. He did at least have an important supporting role in Alone Together, so they haven't they haven't been keeping him just with the other cool kids. Yeah, he's been he's been around. You know, because DJing is kind of his thing, and you know, you just gotta let him be a DJ. Just let me be a DJ. God, sour cream, sour cream's my spirit animal. Uh, sour cream is pretty boss. I like the scene where Steven snaps at Lars because obviously Lars has been being a huge jerk to Steven this entire episode. So seeing Steven get to unload just feels really good. But even then, Steven doesn't like continue his anger. He like immediately drops it. He's just like, now help me get these people into the car. And Lars is willing to drop it too. Yeah, that was real maturity. And that, I think, uh, is that the first time we saw Steven just like snap like that? I think so. Yeah, Steven doesn't snap very often. This and Keystone Motel are two of the very rare times that happens. Hold on, was was Healing Tears, or what, what was that episode called? An Indirect Kiss. Ah, An Indirect Kiss. Was that before or after this? That was after this. All right, it was after this. So yeah, so this might be the first episode we see where Steven just full-on lays it out. Just, uh, there's some 
deeper emotions being felt there. Yeah, this, an indirect kiss, a joyride. That's uh, heavy. Yep, 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 yep. That is some heavy stuff you got laying, you're laying on us, Stephen. I'm going to be honest, this hiatus is really getting to me. When is it over? Uh, we don't know. Not even, it's, it, the schedule September. they're publishing isn't showing September 10th as having it either, so mid to late September it's looking like. If they pull, if they pull the carpet out from under our feet again, I... Oh, I am so writing them a letter if they do that. <laughs> I'm going to write them a strongly worded angry letter. Let's just forget about the Steven Universe at that point. Yeah, let's let's do a uh, let's do a marvelous misadventures of Flapjack podcast. All right, so uh, this week we saw Knuckles really show uh, a lot more emotion than we're used to. <laughs> Analyzing Flapjack. Can we talk about uh, Doctor Barber for a second? Because he uh, there there's something going on there that we can look forward to. I barely remember that show, but I did like it. Does anyone have anything else? I want to go watch Flapjack. <laughs> okay. I just thought it was funny when they, they hop in the pizza mobile, they get on the road behind the crystal temple, you know, by the big donut, pointed towards Greg's car wash, and then they start driving, and then it cuts away, and it cuts back, and then they're on the road that they had started back down, so they're driving parallel to the boardwalk, away from the crystal temple rather than parallel to it. That is a detail I never would have yeah, noticed. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have saw that. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw it once, and now I can't unsee it. It's just one of those little details I am cursed forever to note. Also, I noticed um, definitely some implications that we can take from this episode of uh, every like each one of the flowers had a little gem in it. Yeah, I, I, I did like that. That scene was really pretty. But yeah, that was. Oh, it was so nice. Good song, good everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was perfect. Yeah, it was good music. Uh, but also, just thinking about it, uh, that would that mean that, for one, uh, that strain of moss is probably from Homeworld? Most likely. I mean, this is the first implication we got of Rose with the plant powers. You know, they kind of eased us into it before an indirect kiss, which is, uh-huh. interestingly enough, another episode where Stephen expresses his feelings about not having known Rose. Yep. And that's that's two implications that we can see that uh, Homeworld is like every time I see fan art of Homeworld, it's uh, this like industrious, utopian, like just society of tall buildings and futuristic looking. Yeah, I got to admit, I, I think upper Coruscant when I think of. Yeah, yeah. Except more of like a blue crystalline structure, or, mm-hmm. you know, material rather than. Now that we, we have two implications, one, the fact that Rose can control plants. Uh, why would she need that ability if she came from a crystalline future SpongeBob thing? Everything is crystal in the future. <laughs> uh, and second, that we have these strands of moss that are from an area like that. Or, or maybe that's why the moss is here on Earth in the first place. She wanted to protect it from them making everything chrome. Interesting. But uh, also, it, it goes to show that uh, the similarities between living creatures and uh, gems are a little more similar than we thought. That uh, how on Earth we consider, you know people and animals and such to be living things. And we also consider uh, plant life to be quote-unquote living things. Uh, the same can probably be said for the plant life on the homeworld, because they also have gems, and that moss really wanted to get to the top of that hill. Oh, yeah. You will take me there, or else... I don't think we'll ever get any more information on it, because it doesn't seem too important. Because like, fans really want to know what's what what's up with the plants. I just want to see what Rose was like before. I, w- I want to see a darker, edgier side of Rose, because, I mean, if, if she was a ruler on Homeworld, then she's she's not all sugar and puppies, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. You know, if, if Homeworld has a chance to kick the dog, you know they're gonna. 
I love that fan art somebody did of the group picture of the four diamonds, including Rose. And Rose is, you know, every, the other three have these dour expressions on their face, and Rose has this, like, mean smirk. I love it. That's that's kind of how I like to see Pink Diamond Rose. We Everyone keeps assuming that. Everyone keeps assuming that Rose is Pink Diamond. I'm not totally convinced. I'm really not. Well, I would be I would be very surprised at this point if she was not. Well, I mean, just because they the fans guessed it, oh, Garnet's a fusion, and their names are Ruby and Sapphire. All right, you got one thing right. <laughs> Don't be getting all full of yourself now. All right, that thing, she could be Pink Diamond. You don't know. And that thing could be Bismuth. You don't know. You don't even know if it's Bismuth. It doesn't even have to be a gem. It could just be like a piece of a rocket ship that they've been hidden away. And Shut up. You don't know. Maybe it's a piece of rock. Maybe it's a rock that Rose found at kindergarten one day, and she thought it looked cool, so she put it in her pocket. <laughs> you, know how, you know how kindergartners are, always mm-hmm. coming home with rocks in their pockets. Uh, I I used to come home with rocks in my pockets. Oh, I have a rock collection, actually. I used to collect, like, uh, rocks and geodes and crystals and arrowheads and stuff like that. And uh, I do have some rose quartz, as it turns out. Oh, cool. I collected some rose quartz when I was, uh, like, a wee lad. Yeah, quartz was pretty much the the pinnacle of the rocks you're going to find. If you see Mm -hmm. a quartz, you're coming home with that sucker. Quartz has always been supremely important to us, even even before Rebecca Sugar knew she had the idea for Steven Universe. This episode first aired on March 10th, 2014, and it had 1.504 million viewers. It was written by Lamar Abrams and Matt Braley, who I don't recall having heard before. Uh, heard my, of before. Must have been Matt who did the Pearl Faces, I'll bet. Yeah, and it was also storyboarded by both of them. All right. Well... I guess we will see you all next week. We will probably be talking about Onion Trade, which, spoiler alert, I liked. Unless unless they give us a good old surprise birthday gift and spring a new episode on us just nonchalantly. Hint, mm-hmm. hint. Ain't no thing. <laughs> I mean, it'd be pretty nice. I sure wish it could happen. Nudge, nudge. Yeah, but, well, next week we will probably have a new member on the podcast with us. Ooh, yeah. suspense, suspense. Ooh. It's not suspense. We posted it a day before the episode come, came out. Do, do you want to just tell them? Go for it. Uh, okay. We, after a lot of consideration, uh, we, we liked all the auditions. They were all really good. And I still hate using that, like, uh, auditions. Uh, you, you have to audition to hang out with us. But um, we looked at all the submissions, and they were all great. But in the end, we chose Sophirus. Woo! Confetti noise! Pew, 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 pew. Get in contact with us. Yeah, if I left. You can. I left my email at the uh, in the comment section of the uh, behind the voice actor page. So if you'll just contact me and we'll get all everything settled out, get your 401k running. Um, <laughs> I would really like to emphasize that those aren't just empty words. Like I really, truly, honestly did like every single person. Yeah, replied, they were good. I would like to have every single one of you on. Really, truly, honestly would. Not empty words. Mean it 110%. Well, I guess we will see you all next week. Until then, I'm GC13. I'm Ken. Leave us a review on iTunes. <laughs> God, just shameless plugging, aren't you? And I'm Hunter. It works every single week. (laughs) (laughs) All right, later, kiddos. Our opening and closing music is by James Roach. For more Steven Universe fan-related content, please visit LunarCSpire.com. Thank you for listening.